think commuter rail can, it's sort of is very ingrained in the role that it played in the transportation landscape. And now we're like kind of breaking out of that because of the need to evolve. I do think that our ongoing success really does require a more collective, innovative thought process as to how we continue to evolve and market our businesses. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth this week with Michelle Bouchard, Acting Executive Director of Caltrain in California, the seventh largest commuter train system in America. Michelle, thanks so much for being a guest today on the program. Uh, Well, hello, hello. I'm so happy to do it, Paul, and it's really great to meet you. Yeah, you too. We were just talking in the green room. We've both been in a business a while. We've probably met, but we really haven't had a long conversation. So this will be our first, and you, our listeners, get a chance to listen in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you're you're uh, you're in your office today, but headed to Innotran, I heard, and I'm headed to uh, Florida. So uh, where is your office? Tell us a little about your operation and uh, you know the scope and size of it. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, so you know, thanks for the shameless plug. Seventh largest commuter rail in the nation. Um, you know, I feel like every time we talk about who we are, we have to say pre-pandemic. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm dying to not have to say that, but pre-pandemic. But anyway, so uh, so Caltrain is the railroad that runs uh, along the spine of the Bay Area Peninsula. So it's it's really cool. Starts in the north in, in San Francisco. And just runs through Silicon Valley to San Jose, and then and then we do head further south to to Garlic Country, uh, and uh, in Gilroy. So um, you know, really dynamic and dense operating environment. So um, I know a lot of folks who have said, "Man, for fifty one miles of a single line where you're just going back and forth, you guys are incredibly complex." And um, and we are, and I think that's a that's that's a reflection of the diverse population that we serve and the diverse communities that we serve. So we're really trying to put a lot of of uh, different product out there, so to speak. So you know, our our hallmark product is the baby bullet service that we launched, and it's hard to believe because it feels like yesterday. We launched it in two thousand four, um, and essentially, it was a train that just wasn't stopping very often. You know, okay. We, we keep it a secret. It's not going super fast, but yeah. you know, it's just That's a baby a- bullet. It is, that was your baby, right? I heard that you actually that was your brainchild. I, I have to tell you something. So, uh, if with myself, but I, I had a mentor named Bob Doty, who uh, who unfortunately just recently passed, and um, he's I, you know I was just like a lowly planner, and um, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have him come work with us, and he's he's like he's like let's do something. Yeah. And so we spent a bunch of time just going back and forth. And and frankly, I've learned from him mostly everything I know about operations. And I'd like to think that he learned a little something from me about customer experience and planning. And and uh so yeah, it was it was pretty much the the two of us. And then um it it was like a switch had flipped because we were right in the middle of the dot-com bust and uh we were atrophying ridership. So just to give you a sense of where we're yeah. at. We're at about 25,000 average weekday riders. And then that was 2003, just before. And then from 2004 to now, we've grown to about a 70,000 rider a day service. Again, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and we operate five trains per per hour in the peak. Um, the thing that's really interesting about us and unique, and that is a, a blessing, both both a blessing and a curse. Let me just say that we have just, you know, for for folks in commuter rail, you're usually serving one central business district, and so right. you're pumping riders downtown in the morning, and then you got empty seats coming out. That's not the case for us okay. because. Silicon Valley is dispersed up and down the peninsula. So we're carrying just as many people into San Francisco as are coming out, going to places like uh, Palo Alto, where Stanford is, Menlo Park, Mountain View, uh, San Jose. So um, it it allows us to be just super efficient uh, in terms of our seat turnover. So, um, you know, just and just just really it's a fun environment because. You know, Caltrain has been in the community since, uh, I think we like to say since the time of Lincoln, um, which I know on the East Coast doesn't seem like it's very old, but on the West Coast it is. Uh, we've been continuously operating. And so as a result, the communities have grown up around the train and Caltrain just, it it's just so well supported by the communities. And so it's just, you know, it's just really a pleasure to to have gone from being a being a planner way back when to, to now, you know, being sort of at the head of this organization that just has so many dedicated people. It's, it's been a fun ride. That's great. I got so many questions I want to ask you. Just that, that uh, soliloquy brought all kinds of questions. Oh, to my sorry. Mind. Well, no, good. Uh, let me ask you this. So we're recording this um, in the middle of September and uh, the administration just announced a resolution to a potential rail strike, uh, which I think a lot of people were, were, were happy that it got resolved. As you know, I used to run the Mark train down yep. into Washington, D.C., uh, the commuter train service there. And we, we contracted that out to Amtrak and Bombardier at the time. Do yep. you contract out work or do you run it with your own employees? Oh, no, we absolutely do. We, we, uh, we have a full turnkey contract. Uh, to a company called Transit America Services, okay. uh, and we, we've always contracted it. And and Paul, it used to be uh, it used to be Amtrak from like 1992, and then we did a, a competitive procurement um, that I had the pleasure of leading in sort of the 2009 to 2011 timeframe, and that's when we brought Tazi in. But yeah, we so we have always contracted out, but we still have the same national labor union. Yes. So would that have affected you? Yeah. So so here's the deal. What we have is we have project labor agreements here, or rather Tazzy does. And so the answer is not really except for uh, the fact that we do operate on Union Pacific tracks out to San Jose. I was, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. So a lot yeah. of... It's it's interesting, you know. People don't understand the rail industry. I think you know, writ large in America. <laughs> um, you know, would you mind like sharing some about the whole industry and how it operates? Because I think it's you know, let me just set it up. I'll give it a little context, and you can think okay. about what you want to say. So, in America, we have multiple kinds of transportation. We have you know downtown city bus. We have light rail systems. Um, we have um, subway systems. But then we have this whole world of commuter bus and commuter train. So yeah. as as Michelle and I have been talking about, we both operate, she does currently operate, I used to operate commuter train service, it basically is from the suburbs into the cities in most locations. And her location is a little different because she's got a highly a dense area the whole way. But systems yeah. like BART or Long Island Railroad or Metro Trains North, they'll come from the suburbs and bring people into what I call the big tall buildings downtown. 
Some yeah. systems also operate commuter bus service, which is what I used to do. I had 350 motor coaches under contract with seven different companies. And we would bring people in from Annapolis, from, you know, Western Maryland, all into Baltimore and DC. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, those, those ridership bases have been decimated during the pandemic because most of the people that aren't riding you know, we're white collar commuters going into yep. the downtown areas. And so ridership yep. and those services dropped off 90 to 95%. And in many places, it's not back up over 40% as many cities are turning into Tuesday through Thursday cities and the yep. weekends are dying off for commuters. All right. So there's the context. And these <laughs> trains are run all over the country into urban areas. But a lot of times people don't understand that they run on tracks that they do not own. They run yeah. on freight rail tracks, like, you know, Chicago is the center of all this. So give us, that's the context. Now tell us about the industry and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I'll share my opinions. I'm always happy to yeah. share my opinions. I mean, I just, so, so that's the thing. I mean, when we just talked about the question before, how were we going to be affected by a strike? The great thing about Caltrain is some really smart people in like 1989, when, uh, the Southern Pacific and then Union Pacific was having a bit of a fire sale, um, bought the right of way. And, you know, how smart was that at that yeah. time? Because we're one of the few railroads that has the blessing of being able to operate on its own right of way. Um, and That's amazing. And it is. And so as a result, you know, we've been fairly lucky to not have to deal with having to force your way onto, you know, a Union Pacific right-of-way if you're if you're running with an Amtrak train. I mean, I used to work for the Capitol Corridor across the uh across the bay, good friends of mine. Um they're a they're an inner city service, so they're they're state funded, but they're they're on all UP owned territory. Yeah, now explain what that means. So, you know, these are um freight railroads that are hauling freight and if they own it, and they and you're just leasing it from them. You get a time slot, right? Yeah. And that's the only time you can run. So you can't change your schedule willy nilly. It's a long no. process. It's a long process, and you know you're you're usually subject to what's called a trackage rights agreement. So it's not only how you operate; it's how you're going to contribute to maybe some capital improvements. Right. Yep. Um. And and so you know, and to various varying degrees, there are good relationships between the freight railroads and and the commuter or inner city operators. I think it all depends on, uh, to me, it all comes down to what I think trans is all about anyways, which is like, it's all about the relationships and it's all about the people and their willingness to share in a common desire to bring the people to where they need to be. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in, in the past, uh, I've had some great relationships with some, some folks at, at the Union Pacific. We have a trackage rights agreement that's, that's really old, you know, um, right. and in in fact, it's it's a little bit uh, reciprocal, right? So, uh, just a little bit more about us. We actually host Union Pacific on our right of way. Okay. So there's a there's a trackage rights that governs their slots, mm. and then south of San Jose, we have a trackage rights agreement that governs our slots. But okay. But but you're right. I mean, it's not like you can uh, you know just really have the latitude uh, to do what you want to do in terms of providing reverse commute service or whatever. We, we can do that on our right of, which is great, but um, you know, to the, de <laughs> Paul, to the depressing setup that you gave, you know um, it, it's, it's true. I mean, we went from, we went from pulling 75% of our operating costs out of the fare box, which uh, to, That's to great. 
right? I mean, yeah. and just to, to describe what that is, I mean, if, if you're if you're doing great typically for rail, you're pulling 40 to That's 50. right. Yeah, yeah, we were doing like 40 to 50% at Mark, I think, at the time. Yeah. Yep. But, but 70- you're at 75. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but so, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Right. So as soon as we lost all of our commuters, I mean, we, we at this point are, are really down, you know, I want to say in the 25 to 30%. Um, how are you, how are you covering that? How, you know, how are you, how are you financed there generally? Yeah. So, um, so do you guys have joint powers authorities in, in the, in the East coast? So we're, we, uh, we have a membership, if you will. Um, so for our operating and maintenance costs, largely, we are, we are a joint powers authority that is comprised of San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Clara counties. That's north to south counties. And um, actually, those are the smart people that got together in 1989 or whatever, and they, yeah. you know, they got together. Uh, the county of San Mateo bought the right of way, but then um, the two partners, I think, just recently have finished paying the, paying that off. But short story is, seventy five percent operations out of the fare box, and then the remainder was covered with member contributions. Okay. And so my budget's around one hundred and eighty million dollars. Uh, There's um, pr- in the in the past there are about. Forty million dollars from um, from members. There was there's some advertising. You know, there's other ancillary revenues, not huge, but yeah. But that was enough to cover then what was like. I think we got 125 million out of the fare box. Okay. Um, fast forward to to COVID. Yeah. We're only pulling you know whatever 25 percent out. A uh, couple of things happened uh, during COVID uh, that we're frankly responsible for, I don't even want to know where we'd be if, if these two things hadn't happened. Primarily, uh, we were the fortunate recipient of, of, uh, F, you know, federal, federal yeah. fund. Yep. Those, those emergency funds have been critical. CARES um, Act, ARPA, all that. All of that, all that. And then, um, but the second one, and this is, this is something that Caltrain's been talking about needing for forever. Uh, we managed to, get a, a ballot, uh, on the 2020, uh, in the 2020 election that was successful. And so we now have a dedicated funding source, um, that I think was an eight cent sales tax. So it was going to bring to the railroad about a hundred million dollars a year. And, and, and when you talk about the public support for Caltrain, um, you need to get 66, oh, you know, two thirds, two thirds okay. of the voters. And more than two thirds of the voters said, yeah, you know, we think Caltrain is so much worth it. We're going to invest money in it. So, so how much was it? It was an extra eighth of a cent? Eighth of a cent. Uh, we think On it's- the sales tax. Yep. And we when think- does that kick in? Is it already kicked in? You're getting yeah, money from it? It's already kicked in. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's we we balanced our budget this year with $110 million from that, from that measure. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. What a blessing. Oh, my God. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Just in um, time and in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, that'll tell you how much support you must have there. I, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I think, well, I, I think it was recognized that it was, it, it needed to happen or else yeah. this was going to be a condition. Right. Yeah. Well. It could be catastrophic. So, so how are you governed? Do you have like a board of directors from all those yep. different jurisdictions or something? Yeah, we do. We've got three uh, members from each of the counties. Okay. 
Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because many, each of those counties also have their own connecting, uh, transit agencies, right? Up in San Francisco, they've got like rail and bus. And yeah. Mayo, 26 different agencies serving San 20, Francisco. It's, it's, um, it's an interesting conversation amongst yeah. them. But, um, but yeah, and, and that's the thing, um, just not to dwell on the COVID thing, but, um, uh, we, uh, we as a region with so many diverse, I mean, 27 agencies, a lot of times they're, we're, we're all fighting for the same dollar. Right. Okay. But what COVID has done is it's brought about like a, an unprecedented amount of, I think, communication as well as collaboration around things that are really important to riders in general. I think we're starting to think much more collectively about how we deliver service to the region. And I don't think that conversation was was happening quite in the way that it's happening now amongst all the, certainly amongst the large operators. Yeah. And so I see some bright side there, you know, um, as we see ourselves, our ridership is recovering. Uh, again, it's about that because the Bay Area has had one of the slowest return to office rates of any metropolitan area in the country because a lot of these IT companies are letting people work from home. What's oh, it looking okay. like now? How are you managing that? Well, um, you know, uh, the, what we can manage up, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, and it's and it's true. We, when I look at the graphs, you know, Caltrain is, I think, the slowest to recover of all commuter rails because really, yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I think uh, you know we have a we have a really robust relationship and following with with many of the big companies uh, along the peninsula, and so we definitely understand that that uh, where we got to hook our wagon to their stars, so to speak. But you know, I'm not. You got to follow stuff in San Francisco on a daily basis. I mean, I think that's going to be the bellwether once we start seeing. Those uh, those office occupancies go up, um, but it's not it's not there now. Now, is it, are you seeing what I'm hearing here in the East Coast, which is, you know, cities like New York and Boston and others are Tuesday through Thursday downtown cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, the yeah. funny thing is, right? So we've had to sort of recast our, you know, you point out we seventy five percent of our riders were traveling between call it six and nine in the morning and then yeah. four and seven at night. And then it's like, okay, everything in between is sort of a throwaway. Um, what we tried to do was figure out, okay, well, you know, and we did what a lot of commuter rails did. Okay, amped up midday service, amped up evening service, amped up weekend service and said, hey, you know what? We're going to serve the people. We're going to figure out how we're not so concentrated on one market. And we're going to figure out how we're providing much more equitable service. So what we're finding is weekends, we're back to like 80% of pre-pandemic. Okay. Our, our midday is booming. Okay. That, that's what everybody's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, and here's my- What about my nights, theory. evenings? Are you getting more evening work for like yeah. stuff happening downtown? Absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, what's great is we got, we got the Giants. Right. Um, and we got the Warriors and they're all right by the train. And you know what? Those fans are diehards. And so special event service- is totally booming. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like people work from home and then they're using transit to go out and do the fun stuff. Right. It, it's a bit, it's a bit on its head, but also, you know what? I got to tell you as a, as a, 
it's not only challenging as a as a transit agency, and, and I don't know, as you're talking to CEOs, we're thinking about with the great resignation, we ourselves have to think about what employment policies and work from home policies might be appropriate to be able to retain and attract talent. So like I've heard on the East Coast, it's like, nope, you're in here five days a week. That's it. That does not fly out here. <laughs> it just, it does not. Um, and California so, breezes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it's, it's, it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit of a challenge. It will continue to be so. And that's where I think, you know, one of the really fun challenges to think about and to have staff think about is, okay, you know, it used to be, well, we're going to, we're going to be back to normal after the pandemic. And I think the last year we've been thinking about, okay, well, you know, how do we need to recast ourselves in order to better serve our publics? And in order to do that, we've got to really go out and and survey and really understand what the revised needs are. That's right. Um, so form needs to follow function. It's not anymore if we just pump a bunch of commute service, we're going to fill up trains because we're not. Yeah. It's like Lauren Skyver says, she told me for years, Paul, if they ain't buying it, we shouldn't be selling it. <laughs> and so, uh, so, you know, I always use that quote. It's a great one. Uh, and awesome. I've, you know, the nomenclature might need to change. Some people are saying they're going to stop calling themselves commuter rail and call themselves regional rail because I, it's not really about commuters as much anymore. Man, I, I love it. I mean, and, and honestly, you know, not that we ever projected it would happen this way. Um, and, and I would like to put in some shameless plugs for our electrification program. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause, cause one of the things that electrifying our line allows us to do and what, what we're really geared towards is becoming that legitimate regional rail, like, like providing a, a transit type service in the regional construct. So the idea is being able to provide, um, you know, the enhancement that, electrification gives us is just performance enhancement. And so what we can do is we can just pump a much higher frequency, really start to align around, I want to say more of a European style service delivery model. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So, and, um, and so to that end, you know, that's why we, we had a decision we had to make whether we were going to go with um, diesel haul, so, sorry, going from diesel haul locomotives to electric haul locomotives, or are you going to go all the way and get these electric multiple units with the distributed power? Oh yeah, all all for the performance, and that's and that's the direction we went. And um, the latter and, one, yeah, it's it's a okay. uh, it's like Stadler, Stadler, yeah, you know, beautiful crash energy management, and just just really state state of the industry in Europe. And it's I, actually it's kind of cool. I'm, I um you know I didn't grow up in the rail industry, so uh, I, I I don't get super excited about trains. I get excited about these trains. They're like they're <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. they're awesome. I've seen them, man. They're awesome. I'm very they, impressed with them. Oh my god, no, absolutely. Um, we did some testing out at the testing facility in, in Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, and so I was up in the head end with the engineer. And man, he took it up to 110 and it just felt like you were skating on glass. It was 
you couldn't feel the speed. You couldn't feel anything. It was it was amazing. It's like those certain mattress commercials where you can set the glass of red wine yeah. on the mattress when you're, <laughs> totally. when you're going 110 <laughs> miles per hour and the rails don't throw it off. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm telling you. So I think I think and and actually having the trains here is really helping to build excitement around oh, yeah. our program. And, yeah. uh, you know, where are you at on that on the, you know, on the acquisition? Oh yeah, sure. So, um, so we have a, a revenue date of September, 2024. Okay. And I'm saying this on Paul's podcast, <laughs> we are making that date, make it happen. We are making it. Um, and, um, it's, it's, it's really exciting. Cause you know, it's, this is one of these projects that, uh, it takes a long time and the, the beginning years are not, you, you're like, Oh, are they really moving along? Are they really doing that? And I then remember that. Yeah. Right. And then towards the end, what we've got is now we've, we've got a, um, we've got one of our segments of about seven miles that is completely, uh, all of the OCS is up. So the overhead catenary, the power system is up, uh, just last month. We actually have our local electric company, PG&E, is delivering power now to our traction power um, station. And that's one of, I think it's something like 11 facilities along the, along the peninsula. Um, but that's such a key milestone. But what really matters to the customer experience are the vehicles. And, um, and right now we've got four of those uh, train sets on property. We're going to get a total of 19 train sets, uh, and they'll be coming in increments um, through pretty much, I think it's like, call it summer of 2024. Um, uh, but, you know, we're going to be starting integrated testing. And so folks in the southern end of our line are going to get to see those trains going back and forth as they get commissioned. Um, I think they'll probably be some pictures on social media is what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hey, you mentioned that you hadn't spent your, uh, in our remaining minutes, I want to get into your personal story a little bit. You mentioned that you hadn't spent your whole time in rail. Tell us a little about your background, Michelle. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I'm originally from the East Coast. Um, I, I actually started and by education and training, I'm a land use planner. So, Planning was sort of my entree into, into transportation. My dad was an airline pilot. So, so in hindsight, I think I always had the moving people thing. Yeah, you got but, it honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I actually um, just moved to San Francisco from New York um, just because I felt like it at some point. You know, all my people are still on the East Coast. But anyways, I, I got here and, and I... Um, I started, I started working in a, uh, in an investment bank and, and there I met one of the investment bankers who's like, um, Hey, my wife works for this planning firm and they're looking for interns. And so that's how I got into transit planning. That's the way it is. As it's the intern. old story. You just meet somebody, you know? Yeah. No. And my mother was like, I sent you to college. And so anyways, <laughs> Um, but it, it turns out it worked out okay. Um, so I just, I just gradually, you know, I, I caught the rail bug working over at the Capitol Corridor that I mentioned in the East yeah. Bay. Yep. Uh, and then I just, um, 
I saw Sam Trans was looking for planners. So uh, I walked in the door here in May of 2000. And um, 22 years later, here you are running. The I know. <laughs> insane. Anyways, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about that, but it's 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 a little nutty because it's um, uh, I, I never said, oh, I, I want to be an executive director or I want to uh, I want to I want to do this in particular. I've had the benefit of having some some really um, important mentors in my life who have have really uh, challenged me to think a little differently. I had the pleasure of going to work over at BART for a couple of years, working on some non-traditional BART technology. So there's this, uh, it's a, a DMU uh, extension called eBART. And then there was the Oakland Airport connector. Uh, but I like to say Caltrain is like the mafia. You try to leave and they just keep pulling you back <laughs> That's in. That's great, man. Keep pulling you back in. So, um, um, but it's it's been a great ride. And honestly, um, we, uh, uh, as I, as I see what we're doing in terms of electrification, as I see what's happening in terms of our ability to really bring on some 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 excellent staff. Um, and then most recently, we've had certain governance changes that I've had the, you know, just the, the great um, pleasure of being the first sort of, even though acting, but the first executive director that reports directly to the JPB board. Um, traditionally, the, the general manager for San Mateo County, which is one of the member agencies, has also been the, the executive for the railroad. Um, uh, anyways, it's it's just such a it's just such a great time of transformation. And so, on one hand, it's like COVID happened, and so, but it, but maybe that's the way it's supposed to go. You know, maybe it allows us a little more latitude to like do this transformation in ways that are not as constrained as they would normally would be. You know, I actually uh, I was just thinking about that this week. I agree with you. You know, I've got this book coming out on equity and inclusion in public transportation, and I go into the whole. You know, I've talked to twenty of the country's top leaders in transit about the topic, and you know, it feels like this was an inflection point. And even though you know, it's the old, it's the old axiom, right? And every inside every crisis is an opportunity. Yep. So this was a crisis, an existential crisis to our industry, but it allowed us a chance to reflect on what is it we're really about. What are we really yep. doing here? And I think we're coming out of it better, don't you? I I absolutely do. I mean, I am like an eternal optimist, um, but you know what I referenced. I see the collaboration amongst transit agencies. And I will say in, in the Bay Area, I'll say one of the things that I've loved about being in transit, though, is um, is a willingness at every single level for people to share their experiences. So when we talk about coming out of it better, I feel like we're all share we're all collectively sharing our experiences. And it's kind of like, OK, well, what's working? What isn't? Um, right. And and I love what you said about, you know, if no one's buying why should, why are we selling? Right. And I, yeah. think, and I think what's happened is, and I won't speak for other commuter rail, but I mean, I think commuter rail can, it's sort of is very ingrained in the role that it played in the transportation landscape. And now we're like kind of breaking out of that because of the need to evolve. So I, I agree, I agree with you. I just couldn't agree more, but I do think that, um, our ongoing success really does 
require a more collective, innovative thought process uh, as to how we continue to evolve and market our businesses. That's great. Michelle, I really appreciate this kind of a deep dive into uh, into the industry and education. I'm going to market this program as, if you want to know about commuter rail, you should listen to this week's episode because <laughs> we really dug in deep, didn't we? We did. Uh, you yeah. know, you allowed me to go down some rabbit holes. I, I uh, you know, it's it's late in the week. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I got a lot of words to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great. I really appreciate you doing that. I mean, we, I have these are topics that we really haven't explored uh, and plumbed the depths of. Uh, as we did today. So I thank you so much for being our guest on the show and uh, would love to have you at some point on a live event. You know, I do live CEO roundtables around the country at conferences. And I think it'd be great to have you represent, you know, one of the representatives of the commuter rail industry, because you really know it, you understand it from the bottom up, you've worked all these different roles. Not everyone has done that. And so I value that personally. And I love rail for me personally. I mean, the heavy trains, man, that's some of my favorite I, things about the business. I, I am telling you, me too. And and Paul, I do have to tell you, it's been it's been really great chatting with you today. And you know, just call anytime. <laughs> uh I'll I I'm happy to talk about this thing that I'm so passionate about. Um, and but one plug for whoever's listening, you know, September 2024, you will be riding the most gorgeous Swiss trains out here on the peninsula. And so it's my personal invitation to all of you. I'll be there. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Trends and Unplugged In-Depth with our guest, Michelle Bouchard, Acting Executive Director of Caltrain. Next week on Trends and Unplugged News and Views, Paul will be chatting with Lisa Walton, CTO of San Francisco MTA. Don't forget to visit transitunplugged.com to sign up for the newsletter so you're always in the loop with everything that's going on with the show. And if you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.